This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. This is the John Favreau's My Daddy podcast with Jessica Garcia and Monica Montoya. But our theme song scared Monica. Oh, I hate everything. <laughs> what a joyous way to begin this episode. <laughs> you guys are going to have to forgive Monica for this one. She's on muscle relaxants. So. Yeah, baby. <laughs> um, uh, What's up, man? How's it going? Uh, you know, it's been a morning already. <laughs> it is 11 a.m. I'm not wearing a real bra. Listen, <laughs> who, not I'm not wearing a real, real bra. I think my bra is just like a tank top cut. From Same. Like the top it's down. like a little crop top situation yeah, going like on that. under here. I don't know. It's like Tommy something or other. Is who that is, is this too R rated for the podcast? Maybe. Does every does I just I, I want to ask? Does anyone know that women wear bras? No, Monica. People don't know that. Oh, it's, we did say that this podcast would have spoilers, so. <laughs> Sorry. Spoiler. Women wear bras. Women wear bras. Well, also women don't wear bras, too. So uh, Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Do what you want. We are not wearing real bras. <laughs> Do what you want, baby. Anyway. <laughs> How are you today, Monica? I'm good. I recently bought these new straws that have like a silicone tip. I'm a biter. So <laughs> it's really important for me to have like something to chew on. Really like get get in between that sounded a lot more sexual this time than it did when you told me about it a few minutes ago um i don't mean it like that i wear a night guard it's probably the most (laughs) most, like unsexy thing one could possibly have so uh no (laughs) i just mean like when i try to bite a metal straw i'm not trying to chip my tooth with this like little silicone nipply Mm -hmm. i like it maybe night guards are sexy to some people like i was watching i was watching charlie's angels yesterday with um sean oh fuck yeah Uh, Sean is my boyfriend for those who don't know his name <laughs> so we were watching it and there's the scene where Cameron Diaz like gets out of bed and she takes her night guard out and starts dancing in front of the mirror and he goes oh she takes out her night guard that's so cute and I was like you think night guards are cute like what the fuck where where is this cute night guard, the night guard I don't know I and he get? goes no her taking it off is cute and I was like oh so you, you, oh, can't, like, you can't handle the before got it <laughs> I understand now. <laughs> so me without a night guard is fine. And yeah. Cameron Diaz without a night guard is cute. I mm-hmm. get that. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> I do like that scene where she's like dancing on her bed. Oh, it's, it's like painfully awkward. It's so good. And she it. like turns her butt to the mirror. And I she know. Just, like, she just like shakes it. It's so fucking funny. Um, she's wearing like the dumbest underwear. She's wearing I'm like so Superman underwear or something. It's so Good. And then the UPS guy comes to her door and she goes, just feel free to stick it in my slot. <laughs> That's good filmmaking. That is good filmmaking. Charlie's Angels is the best movie ever made. Uh, they recently had a reboot about it. The yeah, one I didn't where, see The one it, where the, uh, so. the girls were singing, the three girls, Miley Cyrus uh, and the two others. You mean Kristen Stewart? No, 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 no. I'm talking about the song. <laughs> Kristen Stewart is still probably... <laughs> 
She's in the reboot. I thought that, but that's what you meant. Yeah, I mean, like Kristen Stewart in the reboot. Yeah, I'm talking about that reboot. But I'm talking about the song. Oh, I didn't realize that came that. with that reboot. I, I'm sorry. I thought you were just referring to the reboot, not the. Song. I am referring to the reboot, but the song about the reboot. I understand now. That was unclear. My logic is fucking solid. <laughs> You're just not hopping on this fucking Vulcan planet here. I cannot keep up. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Uh, sorry we went on a tangent there, folks. Okay, uh, Charlie's Angels has nothing to do with who we're going to talk about today. Not even, honestly, they have nothing in common. How many degrees apart are they? Probably not, probably, not many. Uh, wait, we could, I mean, has he done anything with any, any of these girls? <sighs> not in that way. I mean, like, worked with. <laughs> what? Oh, who? Aaron, tell us. Eddie Murphy and Cameron Diaz were both in Shrek. Oh, you're oh, right, Eddie Murphy. So they're only they're one, one degree, it's one degree, it's of one separation. degree of separation between Eddie Murphy and Cameron Diaz. Spoiler alert, guys! Where our episode today is about Eddie, Eddie Murphy. Murphy. Yeah. Oh, that was so good. Yeah, <laughs> it was fitting because he too is a singer. He's an incredible singer, and in yeah. one of these films, mm-hmm. he sings, and it's excellent. Yes. Can you guess? I was like, wait, which, which of those movies? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, she's actually really good. Um, yeah, but yeah, he, one degree of separation from Charlie's Angels because he and Cameron Diaz are both in, in Shrek. Shrek. I wonder, did they, I mean, I don't know how they like made that movie, but I wonder if they ever like had any like acting time together. Probably not. Probably not. It's an animated flick. They probably met at like the premiere. <laughs> Maybe they're like, oh, you, you, Fiona, <laughs> Fiona, <laughs> Shrek. Wait, no, Donkey. Donkey. <laughs> oh, no. I'm getting a phone call. Oh. Who do you think it could be? Is it your Peloton bike? I'm going to order a Peloton bike, right. everyone, that's being delivered today. Let's see. And we're back. We are back from Monica's Peloton delivery. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm not rich, but I needed a bike. So here we are. <laughs> I hear they have a great payment plan. They have a fan- okay. They have a fantastic payment plan. Zero percent APR. <laughs> Your Peloton bike now. Um, it took six weeks to get here, so I'm just I'm just glad that it's in my office now. It's finally here. It's chilling. Hell you know? yeah. I stuck my like big toe through the through the loop to like get the pedal going to, just to see if it worked. It does. It does. It's it is a know. working bike. It's a working bike. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, review to come. <laughs> you can look forward to that next week on the pod <laughs> um okay so anyway today we're talking about eddie murphy eddie murphy you know him you love him probably i feel like monica and i were discussing this a little bit um before today and about how like when we were growing up mm-hmm. I feel like that's it was kind of the time in Eddie Murphy's career when a lot of people were like shit talking him. Yeah. And it was after he had his, you know, like trouble with the law, trouble with the law, which was real dumb. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a lot of people just kind of viewed him as like a troublemaker, as like angry and like kind of wild mean and wild. Yeah. Um, and the we were talking about how like it's definitely the narrative that the media pushed because mm-hmm. recently Jessica watched an interview yeah. with Eddie Murphy and she sent it to me. We both watched it um, where he was like a lot more soft spoken. Yeah. It was a Jimmy Fallon Jimmy interview. Fallon. It was a Jimmy Fallon interview where he was basically like asking Eddie Murphy to confirm or deny like classic Eddie Murphy rumor stories. Right. And Eddie Murphy was like, yeah, I don't care. Like, 
super on, chill whatever and I thought he, he, was he, he was like yeah i mean he might have been stoned but who, who cares man <laughs> but yeah he was just like super chill super nice like laughing the whole time mm-hmm. and i sent it to monica and i was like i feel like this is the exact opposite of the eddie murphy that i was told about by the media when i was a kid mm-hmm. i think that the it's really easy to push the narrative of like the angry black man yeah like the or the hyperactive black man oh, it definitely has a lot to do with like racism in uh-huh. the world and in hollywood in general just but. in general too i think that his talent and like his perseverance i mm-hmm. think is the reason why he is where he is today yeah and like you know when 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 i was watching these films or rather like re-watching them for this podcast i in particular watched um, when i was watching beverly hills cop i noticed like he is really chill and soft-spoken and like that translates to his acting Mm -hmm. and he only like comes out of that when he needs to or like when he's trying to be funny or when he not trying to be he is he's fucking hilarious yeah but like when when he's like really going pushing over the top but like his demeanor and his natural state of being is very chill and soft-spoken and you know and his skin is listening in oh my film. god yes uh but i just, just in general which is i think is a is a good thing to sort of look back on is remembering that like he was not necessarily as wild as you know we were necessarily told he was yeah well i mean he did get a lot of shit for all of his like homophobic humor in the 80s yep. which you know rightfully so um Indeed. but he's done like multiple interviews since issuing lots of apologies and betting like being like i don't like I was a stupid kid then I knew nothing and like that's not who I am and so I think it's important to remember Eddie Murphy now yeah his evolution yeah the Ed evolution <laughs> the Eddie Murphy evolution the Ed evolution <laughs> of Murphyism <laughs> <laughs> but uh we love him we yeah. we you know he's an absolute powerhouse and I'm really excited to talk yeah about him so I'm gonna give you a little background info on him in case you didn't know, Eddie Murphy is an actor, singer, and comedian, considered to be one of the greatest comedians of all time by many. Uh, we just listened to his song, Party All the Time. Party All the Time. Which is an absolute bop if you like 80s music. I love 80s music. <laughs> He's got some other songs, too. I recommend lots from the Dream Girl soundtrack, where his um, voice is absolutely incredible. It shines, baby. It's so good. Um, so he was on Saturday Night Live from 1980 to 1984, where he was the only cast member to also host the show while being a regular still like part of the cast. And he was there during Lauren Michaels's hiatus. And many of the cast members credit him for like revitalizing the show and being what kept it like down while Lauren wasn't there. Um, he made his feature film debut in 1982 and 48 hours for which he received a golden globe nomination he's been nominated for every major acting award including an oscar nomination for his role in dream girls winning a golden globe and a sag award for that same role eddie murphy is also a literal daddy to 10 babies 10 children they're not all babies there's adults now how do you imagine being a father to 10 children i can't imagine that shit (laughs) fuck that that's crazy i mean kudos to him but you know but i mean i don't know like how he is as a father but like he did reproduce 10 times (laughs) he did procreate 10 times yeah and that's really where my evaluation ends because i don't know anything about i have yeah i have i've I've no thoughts about him as a father but i know i do find it fascinating that he has 10 children really when anyone has more than four i'm really kind of i get sweaty (laughs) like i get really sweaty like specifically like in my chest area and like my (laughs) neck i get really sweaty when i find out someone has like more than four kids i'm like 
Oh, secondhand anxiety and stress. <laughs> um, but kudos to everyone who has any children. It isn't quite a feat. And his, yeah. him being a literal daddy to 10 Maybe that's rugrats. why we love daddies. <laughs> <laughs> so today, per usual, talking about three films. Mm-hmm. You want to tell us what those films are, Monica? I do. The first one, my favorite of the bunch, mm-hmm. ladies and gentlemen, the insane the incredible mm-hmm. beverly hills cop yeah baby uh came out in 1984 a prime era mm-hmm. written by daniel petrie jr story by danilo bach and daniel petrie jr again directed by martin breast yeah yes the breast of friends <laughs> uh a little about the movie detroit's uh, Detroit PD's Axel Folly, played by, of course, Eddie Murphy, is a rebellious cop who goes to Beverly Hills in hopes of solving the murder of his childhood friend. Reluctantly aided by two L.A. detectives, Judge Reinhold and John Ashton, uh, Folly disrupts the status quo of Beverly Hills law enforcement and uncovers the drug operation of a powerful local crime kingpin. Yeah, baby. <laughs> That was Monica trying to do like a siren. <laughs> but it, it didn't work. <laughs> it really didn't work. Uh, this movie is iconic. Yeah. Uh, just right off the bat. The You've theme. seen this movie a ton of times though, so right? Many. I've okay. seen this movie so many this times. This was my first time seeing this movie. Oh, amazing. Um, um, what'd you think? I, I Okay, I really, really liked it. But I will say, because it's been talked up so much, and everyone's like, Beverly Hills Cop, iconic, iconic, iconic. I expected it to be, like, fall out of my chair funny. Got it. And it is not. It's a lot more understated humor, Mm -hmm. which I really enjoyed. I'm just saying my expectations did not meet reality, but in, like, a perfectly fine way. Right. Um, This film has an iconic soundtrack. Yes. uh, And a a perfect theme. Yeah. Um, (laughs) We were just playing videos uh that included the theme yeah before this podcast and let me just say chef's kiss um <laughs> this movie is is the 80s like if you wanted to take the 80s and like put it into a film like this is it yes um it has a lot of i mean i love judge reinhold from multiple things but especially the Fast santa Times. claus oh or, <laughs> or the santa claus <laughs> <laughs> He does play Neil in the Santa Claus, yeah, the therapist, Neil. and he he is fantastic in it. Like that so movie, good. his role in that movie is like one of the smartest parts about that movie. Oh, I think so. But good. he's uh, he's also in Fast Times at Ridgemont High and plays a really really incredible uh, yes. character. So yes. if you like Judge, watch this movie. But also Eddie Murphy in this movie, fire. He looks so hot in this movie. His like like I said earlier. His skin is like, I want to like jump into it. Like well, and he's pool. always wearing this like cut off tees. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so his like beautiful toned arms are showing. Mm. Mm. We mm. love Eddie Murphy in this And film. he does his, um, his like signature laugh in this yeah. movie too. <laughs> but like signature before, I guess it was signature because I this know. is one of his <laughs> earliest movies. And like, uh, what's her face? Lisa Eilbacher, the like love interest, mm-hmm. uh, art, art curator woman yeah um she she points she like makes fun of his fucking laugh in the middle of the movie Mm -hmm. (laughs) which i think is so funny because again like you pointed out it is not his iconic laugh yet and she was already fucking making fun of it yeah i know (laughs) like in the (laughs) film (laughs) i mean he had been in movies but like 
I was talking about this with someone the other day. This is like the movie that proved him to be a commercial success. Yeah. Because I think he he had been in like five other movies that like did well. Like he was in Trading Places and he was in 48 Hours. Um, But like. This was it. This was it. This was Beverly Hills Cop. This was the big times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, My favorite thing about this movie is all the car sequences okay and all the car sequences specifically involving all the cops okay because it just ends up being the fucking like cop pile up like a like a, yeah, a yeah. bunch of just fucking like at the end cars. where they all like ram into each other <laughs> <laughs> they're just like cop car after cop car after cop car. like that, why do you need so many that what? ending like shootout was really <laughs> insane i hate machine guns <laughs> same if you don't like guns maybe don't watch this movie because it, uh, lo- lots of moments where they're walking and all of a sudden like an ak-47 just starts fucking like going off ramming at them mm-hmm. uh but yeah so specifically with this film uh the soundtrack really makes this movie yeah um i mean after a while the theme obviously gets really repetitive which i think is you know to the detriment of the film like you sure. want to hear something that's not dun, 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 dun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh after a while like maybe you want to hear something else yeah but i think all the other songs in this film are really amazing um and the beginning sequence is chef's kiss 80s love it yes it's um super good the music is super good and i also think that this movie is really relevant today in a way that i didn't really expect because they absolutely like it really touches on like like racism especially within like law enforcement because he's a detroit cop and he's like he can do all this random shit and like go off on his own and like look into crimes and they're, I mean, they're not like pleased with him about it, but Mm -hmm. nothing like really happens. And then he comes to LA and immediately gets arrested for not doing it. For getting thrown out of a window. (laughs) He gets thrown out of a window and he gets arrested in Beverly Hills. And, um, so I think that's really interesting, particularly Mm -hmm. now. Yeah. Um, and what I like, you know what i like about this movie is his character axel does not shy away from like calling people out on their bullshit mm-hmm. so um in one of the you know in the beginning of the film you know his friend obviously tragically gets murdered mm-hmm. um but before then he's just a normal guy like living his normal normal cop self defying his boss all the time being mm-hmm. one of those like classic rogue cops uh which by the way if you have to like break the rules to do the right thing as a cop the system does not work for you. Um, <laughs> How shocking today, Monica. <laughs> That's so interesting that you have to like go against what the system tells you to do in order to do, to do the right thing. Like it's, it's insane, isn't it? Um, but anyway, he's like his he's getting shit from his boss for like going under undercover. Um, yeah. you know, uh, dealing cigarettes and whatnot, what have you. Detroit things, just Detroit things. And um, he is telling his boss like you know he's getting shit from his boss. He's like I don't have like a side. Like you told me your side and. His his boss is like well you know what you fucking cost me like cost the department a bunch of money you cost like the, the city a bunch of money and like that's what you did wrong is like you cost us money yeah and he literally looks at him and he goes like i don't think this should be about like the cost but like maybe i don't know my like blatant disregard for proper procedure or something <laughs> which he's so self-aware i know he's so he's like excuse me like why is this about cost and why are you not like like wringing my ass out to dry for like disrespecting you and like disrespecting the procedure like what the fuck is wrong with you (laughs) um but that moment in the it's it's a 
it's in like the first act of the film that yeah. moment really um solidified to me like who that character was yeah and like what he was bringing to the table which was like realism honesty baby no bullshit well i think if you haven't seen this movie you just kind of think it's about like a wacky cop no sir <laughs> which it's not about <laughs> it's the opposite so you know in this in this film I really appreciate it because it shows like how fucked up and like whack this system is. So like the things you have to do to do the right thing are always almost almost always in direct violation of the orders you were given. Yeah. Uh, slash indirect violation of the law. So um, in this film, there are so many of those tiny moments and even bigger moments where, you know, the cops, both, both Beverly Hills cops and Axel. Yeah. Um, who is a Detroit cop. Um, they're all put in situations where they have to decide, like, am I going to, like, listen to my boss slash procedure slash the law and, mm-hmm. like, do the quote-unquote right thing? Like, like right in terms of procedure? Or am I going to, like, say no and do the quote-unquote wrong thing to yeah. do the right thing? Yeah. Um, like, just so many moments throughout the film uh, that, that depicts the struggle. Yeah. Um... I think thematically that's like one of the most important parts of the movie. Um, Like I think the most impressive thing about his performance in the movie is something that impresses me about Eddie Murphy in general. It's just that like, it sounds dumb to say that like, Oh, he's like so natural, but like one of the most natural performers I've ever seen. He sits like so comfortably in the pocket of being like, just being himself and being like, everything comes so organically to him and he's so charismatic and the lines just like flow out of him as if he's saying them in real life and I was shocked and I've seen a lot of movies and like studied theater and so like I've seen a lot of performances and I've never been so impressed <laughs> what was that sorry guys we're getting invaded <laughs> there was just like a strange rumbly like alien <laughs> noise going on take me with you <laughs> it was eddie murphy coming to uh oh, take me coming away. to snatch me away uh, yeah yeah but no, you know what i mean like i it's completely just, know what you mean he's so he's so comfortable in what he does he's he's natural and he's it's really quite remarkable what he can do with such an insane plot like the the shit he was given to do and like so like almost like a chameleon so comfortably switch from being himself himself quote-unquote like axel folly Mm -hmm. into being like the bad guy's lover yeah like try you know pretending to go into the into the banquet hall to like fuck him up basically essentially and like making up stories along the way like Within this film, he does a lot of like chame- chameleoning. So he like switches back and forth into personas so he can get what he wants. Yeah, like when he goes to the hotel mm-hmm. and like lies about being a Rolling Stones it's reporter. So fucking funny. And obviously, he points out that like it's because yeah. he's black. And he's like, You won't give me a room because I'm black. <laughs> and then, of course, they give him a room. Of course, they do. So he is so smart and he uses. He uses these disadvantages Mm -hmm. to his advantage. And I think that, you know, being from Detroit where like he has to do everything himself and nothing's by the book and then walking into the police station or actually being like thrust into the Mm -hmm. police station thrown into it after being arrested um, (laughs) by getting thrown out the fucking window by all like the mobsters who work for this like art dealer guy who's also secretly dealing drugs. Um, He I just think that he is so like the perfect actor, like the perfect person to be in this role in this moment Mm -hmm. 
creating that juxtaposition. Like, I love that. I love the, like, difference between walking into, like, the Beverly Hills police station and then, like, looking at the, you know, the streets of Detroit and the precinct. Like, worlds apart. And I think he's the perfect blend of, like, he's so incredibly cunning and smart. Mm -hmm. And he uses that to his advantage. And obviously, like him being like a black man like that's obviously at that time and even now is like a disadvantage sure so he uses that and he uses his like cunning and his smarts yeah and he fucking like blows the roof off of that place yeah he uh he gets the job done but there's like a lot oh my god there's so many funny moments along the way of this movie like when he takes the two cops to the strip club so (laughs) iconic so good And, like, at first you're like, oh, they're just, like, going for a drink. Yeah, and they're going to talk you know. about, like, this crime, mm-hmm. whatever. And then he sits there and he starts, like, dancing in his chair. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, we're in the strip club. Makes your dick get hard. I know. He's like, he's like looking. I wrote this down. He's, like, looking across at, like, the fucking cops. And he's like, he's like, I'm I'm not on duty. So, like, my dick can get hard. But, like, like, it's your, okay if your dick get hard. It's okay. You know, like, you know, your supervisor's dick just got hard. It's fine. It's fine. Like, everything's okay. All the while, like, again. Again, like I cannot think of a better actor to create yeah. that like the you know the sense of duality and like he's like sitting there fucking just like working it working <laughs> it with his top like talking about like dictating and getting hard Monica's dancing the, just so you I guys know. know while at the same time literally like spotting two men who are about to fucking shoot up the place yeah and he's just casually like dick's getting hard baby that's what's happening yeah you know <laughs> that stripper likes you Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) oh my god he's so good his charisma in this movie of Mm -hmm. like just himself and the character like when they get reprimanded later by like the police chief and then they have this speech about the super cops (laughs) where he's like these men they're super cops (laughs) (laughs) they should wear capes um but the and the fucking two cops are like that's not what happened sir and he looks at them and goes you know that was working. <laughs> that story was that story worked. That like pile of lies I told, that was fucking working. Y'all fucked up. Yeah, because I don't think any of them expected him to be as good as he was. No. No, not at all. They were shocked. But then when they finally get on his side and like join forces with him, that's 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 when the magic happens and they get to that, you know, like big final shootout at the mansion. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And like Judge Reinhold and uh What's his name? John Ashton. (laughs) Yeah, John Ashton. They're like hiding behind uh, that wall. And Judge Reinhold is like, this reminds me of Butch Cassidy. And this (laughs) (laughs) it's so good. John Ashton is just like, what the fuck are you talking about? Shut the fuck up. We're about to die. (laughs) Uh, This movie is incredible. I also love the way that Eddie Murphy plays up Mm -hmm. like the antics of it all Mm -hmm. um, while still being like, uh, like a detective like yeah. a cop like he still has like you know his ears are always up his like antennas are always up he's always like looking around he's always making sure that like everything's okay mm-hmm. while at the same time like sending room service plotters down to like the cops yeah. to, like let them know that he's off in to front his of antics. the hotel yeah <laughs> like, um, and he's like like stuffs bananas into the tailpipe what i really like about this film is like all the people of color in this film help him out and like mm-hmm. don't say anything yeah like the 
doesn't like the the Hispanic uh, room service waiter who like, yeah. brings him down. He's like shoving the the fucking bananas up the tailpipe, and Eddie Murphy looks over at the at the Hispanic uh, room service waiter, and he's like, "Don't say anything." And this, <laughs> he like and winks at him. He like winks at him, and the, and and the guy like winks back, like, "Oh, you're up to no good." <laughs> it's so funny. And the guy who gave him the bananas is like, "Here are the bananas." <laughs> <laughs> wink wink nudge, nudge yeah it's like even though eddie murphy is a cop he is because he's black he's mm-hmm. still an underdog yeah. in a way so mm-hmm. he's able to identify with the more like literal underdogs mm-hmm. of the film yeah yeah it's pretty, and, it's and they good. all help each other out he, yeah this most iconic line of the film he's like take these bananas <laughs> so good <laughs> Shh, take these bananas <laughs> i love it i love that he does bullshit like stick bananas up a tailpipe but then also like knows how to fucking identify shooters in a strip club yeah and then they bring it up later with the cops who with john judge reinhold and john ashton who had the bananas up the tailpipe first and the police chief is like that's the oldest trick in the book like what the fuck is wrong with you you didn't notice that Mm -hmm. and it's like yeah this other cop this detroit cop who pulls a lot of shit is the one who did it and he like you know pulled the wool over your eyes so you guys actually suck yeah and not only that but like when they brought up the whole concept of like the the coffee grounds Mm -hmm. and eddie murphy kept talking about it or like axel foley kept talking about it and the other cops like never were like just what the fuck they're like it's coffee whatever and they get to the station and like the police like sergeant chief whatever he is i don't know my fucking ranks but (laughs) he basically like looks at looks at them and he goes yeah you, you guys didn't know like coffee grounds are you know to mask the scent of like drugs yeah drogas cocaine like that's what that's what it's for <laughs> and they were like <laughs> <laughs> so i love this movie because you know watching it as a young tot i think that it really showed me that like the underdog truly sometimes can be so much smarter can so much better than these beverly hills bozos if you will agreed Mm. Mm. we love this movie go watch it go watch it enjoy enjoy with some popcorn maybe a banana enjoy a really really wonderful little cameo appearance from um bronson pinchot who's the he's the gallery worker and you Mm -hmm. know well right now he's in the new uh sabrina the teenage witch whatever the hell uh show the chilling adventures of sabrina exactly he's in that he plays the principal which is like whatever Mm -hmm. but he is a really wonderful like bit character actor and he was also in the first wives club and he has like one of the best two minutes of the entire movie (laughs) yeah yeah i guess we'll move on now yeah Go watch Beverly Hills Cop, you guys. Go watch Beverly. I was just looking to see if I had anything else to say about it, and I did not. Nope. Um, I think it's I think it's a really well made film. Yeah. For being like what it was supposed like build mm-hmm. as. Yeah. It's a, it's build as this like ra- like not raunchy but like funny comedy like, like it's a wacky it's cop wacky. with his wacky antics. But no, he has antics, but they're not that wacky. And, and it's really smart. It's, it's a really smart really movie. Smart. I love it. Yeah. 10 out of 10. Three thumbs up. <laughs> so now we're going to move into the 90s. A little 90s Eddie Murphy. Oh my. <laughs> In the film that is Bowfinger. Oh. 1999 movie. I don't know Monica's thoughts about this movie yet. So this is going to be a purely, you know, 
candid conversation. <laughs> Shaking my head as she's like, she's like begging me with her eyes to like enjoy this film. There always has to be one. There has to be one that Monica hates. All right. So this movie was written by Steve Martin, directed by Frank Oz. Um, you know him as the voice of Yoda, Miss Piggy, Fozzie Bear, etc. We love. We love Frank. Okay. So I'll give you a synopsis of the movie. When washed up filmmaker Bobby Bowfingers uh, and Bobby Bowfingers, Steve Martin, when his movie idea is rejected by action star Kit Ramsey, Eddie Murphy, Bowfinger decides to make the movie around Kit without him knowing he's in it. However, the filmmaking starts to make Kit believe he's the target of an alien invasion. So Bowfinger hires an untalented lookalike, also Eddie Murphy, to star in the film. Hilarity ensues. <laughs> okay, I want to start by saying this film is fucking funny this is a funny film it is a it's a funny fucking um, movie it is a frank oz feel good i think it's a i think it's a highly optimistic film mm-hmm. uh for being what it is and i <laughs> for being absolutely batshit uh it's fucking batshit it's it's good but i, I guess will, that part is credited to steve martin in a lot yeah. of ways yeah. yeah 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 so just like it's just it's a feel-good film it's highly optimistic i think it's fucking funny so that's like just right off the bat those are my initial thoughts about it mm-hmm. and um i want to hear what you, i want to hear what you truly believe so Jessica. i have seen this movie more than once um i haven't rewatched it in a few years and I mean, I love this movie, minus the few moments of too, far too casual 1990s racism that appear yep. in this movie. Mm-hmm. If you can get past those moments um, and write them off, I guess, to just like what was acceptable at the time and what people found really funny. Um, moving past that, I think this movie is fucking hilarious and I think is a really good um, demonstration of Eddie Murphy's. Uh, ability to play multiple characters because like that's one of his things that he does yeah and i guess you would argue that he does that best in the nutty professor but that movie is literally far too offensive to discuss right absolutely which (laughs) we think that that full disclaimer i guess we think that film is a classic and it's funny yeah but i bringing it into like today like today's world movie. it's just not he's very good in it he's so good in it but like the movie itself is really horrendous mm, it's very fat shamey and not nice <laughs> very 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 not nice <laughs> uh but anyway no hate no shade to nutty <laughs> professor just you know it's it was a different time yeah it was a different time um you know i, I will actually argue you know I think that this film actually showcases Eddie Murphy's ability to play different characters in the same film better than than the the Naughty Professor. And the reason being is he doesn't, to my knowledge, at least from what I saw, he didn't use any prosthetics. That's true. And there was very little costuming variance. All he did was change his voice, like the tonality of his voice and his his body language. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I, what I will say about this film is that fucking mesmerized me. I was mm-hmm. like, that is the work of an incredible, beautiful, trained actor. Like, that's crazy to me yeah. that I fully knew that <laughs> I went into it fully knowing Eddie Murphy plays two different characters, yeah. but it's the same guy. <laughs> and there was no prosthetics. And I was like blown the fuck away because I, I truly believe that these were two completely different characters, that these two characters were brothers and played by different people, but they were not. Yeah. <laughs> he's just, he's a magical unicorn that way. Yeah. I, I think um, 
I mean, I think Nutty Professor is a more like uh like clear example of that town yes. just because I mean it's like so apparent. Right. But um in this in Bowfinger, the two characters are much more like developed characters, if that makes any sense. That makes like they're sense, more yeah. human in a lot of ways. I mean, they're still kind of insane, but you know, they have more human um aspects to them than in the Nutty Professor Which where they're is just kind so of like caricatures. <laughs> but i think so i think in this movie it has one of the most brilliant like moments when you first meet eddie murphy right when he's like marching through his mansion Mm -hmm. getting pissed and then he goes on a rant about the kennedys and then pulls out a shotgun and shoots the symbols on the drum (laughs) and you're just like okay this movie is fucking we're going we're ready Um, um but yeah his like being able to distinguish those two characters because like those two personalities are stupidly different <laughs> yeah like uh kit who kit. who we gets introduced in the film the the moment that jessica's referring to being like eddie murphy as kit who yeah. is like this he's like a big action superstar like a tom cruise kind yeah. of guy <laughs> yeah i think when i, I was reading about multiple it reasons. i think when i was i was reading about the movie and he was talking about when the movie was pitched to him and he was told like it's pretty much like you're going to be like a black Tom Cruise or like a black action yeah, star. And he was like, okay, I'm on board. That's cool. That's chill. <laughs> I'll be a black Tom Cruise. <laughs> but then the other, the other character that he plays, whose name is, I think Jif. I think that's his name. I think his name is Jif. I didn't write it down. Cause I think it's short for like Jifferson or something, <laughs> something really insane like really that. Stupid. <laughs> Who you find out later, spoiler alert is actually Kit Ramsey's brother. Um, but they're just like estranged and they don't really talk. And he's like, he's a totally different character. He's like kind of dumb. I think my Jif, Jifferson. He's, he's so he's so pure. I love the moment in the in the movie. They've like just finished up filming like a big scene or something, mm-hmm. and they're all sitting at that diner eating together. Mm-hmm. And he starts talking about how he doesn't like acting because like he doesn't know if he's really getting the job done mm-hmm. and how he feels better. <laughs> He feels better about like getting coffee because he's like, because, you know, I I'm the one who gets the coffee and I, I make sure I put the napkins in the bag and I I make sure I get the cream and the sugar and I I bring it to someone and I know that I got the coffee. I did that. I did that. You know, I really relate to that. <laughs> um, in what way? In every way. I want to be the guy who gets the coffee and put the napkins in the bag and gets those tiny little straws that keeps your lipstick off the coffee cup. Like, I want that to be me. I want to know that I got the job done. I want a pat on the head. I there is. Monica, did you notice that there is a there's a crossover in this movie with your favorite Eddie Murphy movie? Yes. <laughs> Tell them, Jessica, so I can introduce the movie. So... There's this really, really funny subplot Ooh. in the movie about this group of people called Mindheads. <laughs> Sorry, I'm like... <laughs> Which I think is supposed to be kind of like Scientology. Yeah, it, that, that, no, that is. I read, okay. I, I, I will just say, I did, I did read up on that, and it is supposed to be 100% just Scientology. Okay, I don't <laughs> want the Scientologists to come after me. <laughs> <laughs> so it's this, gr- it's this group that like 
uh, Kit Ramsey is a part of. And he has to, and because he's like a big celebrity follower, he has to go in and meet with like the head of the mind heads who like talks him, who talks him through like his anxieties and mm-hmm. things like that. And he has that really funny scene where he's like, and what must we not do? And he goes, don't show it to the Laker girls. And he goes, that's right. We don't show our wiener to the Laker girls. And he goes, but I got to show it to the Laker girls. <laughs> want to know what they think of it <laughs> <laughs> but i gotta show it to the laker girls it's so funny but anyway the actor who plays the leader of the Mindheads, i don't know his name but he is in haunted mansion he's in the haunted mansion monica's favorite eddie murphyville it's my the reason we're not talking about haunted mansion today is i got outvoted so and by outvoted because i'm the only other person voting is i just Jessica said monica absolutely didn't not. let me do it Terrence Stamp, yeah. that's his name. Yeah. Uh, he plays the butler, like, bad guy character. Ramsey? Yes. Ramsey. Uh, he plays Ramsey in the Haunted Mansion. It's so fucking good. Uh, for those of you who have never seen the... I'm just kidding. I was going to, like, go into the whole Haunted Monica's Mansion. Monica was going to do, like, a, like a, mini, a, mini, a synopsis mini synopsis for you. Uh, <laughs> if you guys have not seen the Haunted Mansion, though, it is my favorite Eddie Murphy film. It is not widely regarded it's very bad it's quite terrible uh i think it's more the nostalgia (laughs) that's fair i mean it does have good people in it like eddie murphy's in it Mm -hmm. um what's uh, your face is in it (laughs) all these great people that we definitely know the names of uh he has the guy from the princess bride in it what is his name my name is inigo not that one that's yuki wallace sean Yes, Wallace Shawn, Nathaniel Parker. Wait, who's he? Who's he? <laughs> anyway, the people in Haunted Mansion are Wallace Shawn, Eddie Murphy. Are those the only notable names? Because that's all I remember. <laughs> oh, it has that girl, Jennifer Tilly, who's in Liar Liar in it. Yeah. Um. Oh, the guy who plays the Oompa Loompa in the Tim Burton Charlie and the Chocolate yes! in it. Yes, he's in it. Uh, he know he, he not play, only his plays, name is Deep Roy. Yeah, he not only plays one Oompa Loompa, but he plays all, all of, them. of them. He carries a large load. Oh, what yeah. another actor who's brilliant at playing multiple roles. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and by multiple, I mean literally thousands literally in that movie. Thousands. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway, back on track to what we were talking about. Ooh. <laughs> How do you feel about Bowfinger, Monica? What are your genuine thoughts on this whole movie? I mean, I feel like I said what I needed to say. Uh, but but in reality, I think that it's a it's a really good, like I said, it's a very optimistic film. It's a good romp. It very much showcases what Eddie Murphy can do. And I think that, to me, like it's not my favorite like Stephen Martin film. There's Steve, sorry, S- Stephen Martin. Stephen Martin. Steve. Where are we today? Steve Madden. <laughs> Steve Madden. Okay. Monica's on drugs. Uh, it's not <laughs> It's not my favorite Steve Martin film. Sure. Uh by a like a landslide. That's fine. And it is I don't not, think it's his movie personally. It's not it's also not my favorite Eddie Murphy film by a landslide. I think Well, that, the Haunted Mansion, you nothing can top the Haunted Mansion in your eyes. Uh if people can just let Guillermo let <laughs> let ryan and guillermo make their fucking movie why won't you let them okay well uh, anyway anyway my but back to my thoughts i think that um 
Not your favorite. Not my favorite. I think that it's beautifully directed by Frank Oz. I think it's a fucking hysterical movie. It's Personally, hysterical. Yeah. The, the idea of filming a movie around someone who doesn't know they're in a movie and then like staging an alien invasion. <laughs> but like he thinks that it's real because all of the thi- because he does happen to like interact with the people making the movie a few times because they do- they are not aware that he doesn't know. Only Steve Martin knows. <laughs> So like Eddie Murphy now thinks that like he's part of an alien invasion because of these few interactions. And it's so fucking funny. The concept it's, it's so, so good. It's, it's absolutely so good. insane. Yeah. And there's like some really good like Robert Downey Jr. has a nice little cameo in there. Mm-hmm. Heather Graham is really funny supporting yes. character. She, I, I think this movie also says a lot about Hollywood in general. Yeah. Yeah. You can make a movie for two thousand dollars yeah so if you're someone who like enjoys movies about making movies or mm-hmm. movies that say funny shit about hollywood mm-hmm. and about the industry you'll I love think this. you'll love this it, yeah. i because i love this mm-hmm. yeah, yeah absolutely 10 out of 10 great uh not my favorite but i can 10 still... out of 10 but not your favorite, <laughs> 10 out of 10, not my favorite. <laughs> i think you can always count on monica to say 10 out of 10 about but the movies that we talk i can about. totally appreciate what it's doing i think the plot is bananas yeah bonkers bad shit and i love that yeah it was a wild ride yeah popcorn flick love <laughs> but so also that, not really <laughs> she'll never tell monica's uh i never coy, show my god she's coy like that she'll never tell you exactly what she's thinking <laughs> uh anyway that was Bowfinger. thank you guys yeah so that brings us to our final film the final film uh the, the comeback creme. in a lot of ways some people say de la creme yeah the creme de la creme <laughs> of all of these films i think even though beverly hills cop is my favorite eddie murphy film, i mean that's like that's iconic for like the beginning of his career but i think of when we think of what eddie murphy is trying to do now with his career mm-hmm. this is the movie this is that it. you know yeah. really really solidifies things and that movie is dolomite is my name dolomite is my name dolomite dolomite dolomite, dolomite. <laughs> it's so fucking good dolomite is my name came out last year in 2019 it was written by scott scott alexander and larry karazos larry karazuski larry karazuski you got it directed by craig brewer based on the making of the 1975 black exploitation film dolomite written by rudy ray moore and jerry jones yes it was a real film uh directed by Derville Martin. Yeah. Uh, Dolomite tells the story of Rudy Ray Moore, played by Eddie Murphy, brilliantly. An aspiring performer who develops an outrageous character named Dolomite, who becomes an underground sensation and star of his own low-budget self-made film. Expected to fail, Dolomite surprises and becomes a beloved character and film, particularly within the black community, and serves as a source of hilarity and hope for viewers. Yeah, baby. Yeah. Did you know anything about this movie before you saw it? I knew that there was a black exploitation film called Dolomite. Mm-hmm. I have seen scenes of it, but I've never seen like the movie. But have you I, ever seen like a black exploitation movie in general? No. Okay. Um, but this was really interesting to learn about sure. during the like process of watching this film. Like yeah. what the so like I never really knew what like black exploitation films pertain, like what like, like what came under that umbrella yeah and watching this film really solidified for me like what the characteristics come with that genre yeah because i think a lot of people have seen um imagery from black location yeah. movies mm-hmm. like 
we've all seen like the 70s pimp or yep. like or like um clips of like like black pimp guys doing kung fu yep and you're just like what the fuck is this, <laughs> <What> is this? <laughs> and it's from it's from this genre of films mm-hmm. called black exploitation films that happened in the 70s that were like really important culturally i mean they're not good movies they're not, but they're not supposed to be good <laughs> no movies. no they're not like good like quote-unquote films but they were very like important entertaining and they were like what the people wanted um if you have issues with movies uh where there's like a lot of like sexual abuse and things like that maybe don't watch them but um i think they're really important for like understanding Mm -hmm. film and like where this movie came from at least i think that if you're going to watch any black exploitation film coming from someone who's only ever seen dolomite is my name which again is is just like almost like a I guess a biopic? Yeah, in a way. Yeah, almost. Like making a... It's a biographical, yeah. Sort of, you know, wherever it falls under. Under in the Netflix category. (laughs) Yeah. Because it is a Netflix film. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that, you know, as someone who's seen imagery, who I'm sure, like, you, the listener, who I'm sure, like, has seen imagery, who knows of, like, the pimps doing kung fu, like, that's something that I've always seen and always known. But I think that I now have a really newfound appreciation for that genre and what it did for its community mm-hmm. i think that beyond like the fact no they're not good films per no, se no and they weren't particularly influential in the grand no. scheme of like Mm-mm. film not at all but what they the, what they did in the moment was serve their community mm-hmm. in a very specific way yeah and people loved them yeah they they just gave they gave its community entertainment Mm -hmm. and fun and a distraction for like two hours yeah yeah because there's that really and i think this is the the this is the scene that like sets up what dolomite is about in Mm -hmm. the movie it's where they're like dolomite is sitting or i mean he's not dolomite yet he's just rudy at that point in time he he just rudy he's just rudy so he's sitting with his friends um and they're like eating and they're talking about like what they should go do and they're like oh let's go see a movie and he says Mm -hmm. that he really wants to go see the front page because he heard like how funny it is Mm -hmm. and if you've never seen the front page, it's just like a bunch of white people in a newsroom. Yeah, it's like not that funny, but no. like white, white people lose their shit over it. Yeah, and so they go and they see the movie and they're sitting there and they're all looking at each other like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> like, 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 this shit is not funny. He goes, he's like, there's no titties. There's no kung fu. <laughs> <I know. laughs> and so then he decides to create this this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, to serve as to what their own community finds funny, finds funny. Um, which, you know, I, I just want to you know, point out, it is not that, you know, black people's humor is like less than no, 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 no. any other group's humor. No, I just think that there is a specific need for a specific kind of humor that the black community appreciates and like wants to see at that time, which the you know black exploitation yeah. films filled that need. Um, and I, I like a good film with car explosions and titties. Sure. <laughs> and that's, so do hilarious. I, but that's not what the white public wanted at the time. And I no. think that's more of what I'm referring to mm-hmm. is like they, the, the white folk weren't comfortable with comedies like that. No. Uh, but I think that what Ru- just Rudy was doing at the time, <laughs> uh, his his gears were turning and yeah. trying to create this character that ended up being Dolomite. I think the origins of that was so interesting because he 
stole the idea and the jokes from a a local uh homeless man <laughs> homeless man yeah so there's this homeless man named rico who if you've ever seen the show this is us he's in that show yeah he's the- he plays randall's like birth father <laughs> So <laughs> he's also in dolomite um and mm-hmm. he's like this homeless man who walks into the record store that rudy works at he and works there with titus burgess um uh, who, who put him so in more good. movies put him in god everything. damn it he's so funny so he walks in and he mm-hmm. comes in and like starts saying these rhymes about this character named dolomite yeah he starts fucking spitting straight fire like yeah. like at at the humble folk that are just chilling at the record store and he you know and uh one fun fact that the i think the movie at the end uh in those like in the i guess what is it what's it called an epilogue yeah um it like says on screen um dolomite quote unquote Mm -hmm. is credited as being like the godfather of rap rap, yeah uh because the way that he told his jokes in this like fun stylistic rhyming uh way or rather <laughs> Rico's <laughs> Rico originated. Yeah. Um, he really took it and ran with it. And I think that that goes to show you like what you can do with an idea. Like if someone, if someone has an idea, but they don't execute it, they don't do anything with it. Like, how is that any good? Like, how is an idea just good in your head and not out in the world? Yeah. Because Rudy, he was trying to be, I mean, at first you, you're like, Oh, is he trying to be a musician? Because he's giving these records that he's, um he's made to snoop dogg who is like a dj in the record store an incredible cameo by the way who and like snoop dogg has said that he would be nothing Mm -hmm. without rudy ray moore yeah exactly um, without the work of him which is really great that he you know paid a little bit of an like a respect to him by being in this film yeah Yeah. um but so like he won't play the records because he's like these are horrible and so (laughs) rudy ray moore is just like okay well so he also does like stand up comedy, mm-hmm. but like he fucking sucks. And like so nobody bad. thinks he's good. Until obviously until he steals. Yeah, until he Rico's steals shit. Until he steals Rico's stuff. And then he like puts on a pimp suit mm-hmm. and Creases. goes and goes to the comedy club and starts saying these insane Just rhymes. Ridiculous. Like I wish I knew one so I could say it, but I even would not do I, it justice. I feel like even if we did know them, just saying them would be so stupidly raunchy that this podcast yeah. would be taken off the internet i think specifically like with uh that opening sequence when uh rudy is talking to snoop dogg's character whose name totally eludes me but it's snoop dogg with his fucking dreads and his like mm-hmm. snoopy way yeah um he is obviously like playing the dj at the at the record store and Rudy's trying to get like his shitty like music to to get played on the radio. Yeah, and the uh, Snoop Dogg is like, I'm not fucking doing it. <laughs> and Rudy, one thing that solidified for me in that moment was Rudy will say anything to like get people to like hop on his shit. Yeah, like he was like Marvin Gaye ain't shit. He's clearly shit. Like he's clearly good. Like what? no it's true he he just wanted people to be on his side but he but like is simultaneously a very genuine person absolutely i think that he's just looking for a 
like somewhere to break out and he knows that he needs to be famous like that's what he wants to be yeah he knows he needs to be famous and he knows that this film needs to get made and like i love that moment where he's in the office of the people who were producing his records and he's like pitching the movie to mm-hmm. them and they're like what the fuck is wrong no with you? and they say they're like you're not supposed to make a movie for the five square blocks of people you know mm-hmm. and he and rudy ray moore says well that's all right by me because every city in america's got those five blocks yeah every city in Amer- every city in america has those same five blocks like that shit is on lock that is like that's like the essence of what the movie is about yeah it shows the tenacity that he has in order to create this need like to 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 serve this community and like fill this need for these kinds of films and like you know he's right everyone does love dolomite you know throughout the film you just see the the multitudes of people like he goes from selling records out of his car Mm -hmm. um that he made like at his home these like live comedy records Mm -hmm. um to like having them sold like at the record store like with every other album recreating those album covers which i just find to the be. nude album covers they're so so funny. funny uh the one where the woman is like completely nude but like kind of covered and like she's just covering her like root boobs with a blanket <laughs> and and eddie murphy is also completely nude and you see his butt yeah i love the confidence that he has mm-hmm. because obviously like they make a point in the film to point out that he's like very portly yeah uh and he's like you know what ain't nothing wrong with that like i look good i feel good I know where my strengths are and I'm going to play to my strengths. Yeah. And I like that. Yeah. Um, Obviously not that being portly is a problem, but no, there was like one weird scene though, where I was like, "Mm, this is vaguely fat shaming and I'm not a huge fan of it. So it's the, it's in the movie. So there's going to be a sex scene between Dolomite and like some random white woman. And it's the night before. And the woman in the movie, I forget her name. Lady Reed. Yes. So she, um, she's talking to, uh, to Dolomite and she's like, you know, um, cause he's, he's saying that he's nervous about it because, you know, like he doesn't have a great body. Yeah. He's a bit portly. And she's like, well, like there's nothing you can do. Just make it funny. And he's like, okay, I'll make it funny. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, couldn't you just not had this scene and made it funny and yeah. like not had the discussion of oh, I'm too fat and I'm ashamed of that. So I'm just going to be funny instead of sexy. Like they made a point to include a scene where they're, they're like, don't try to be sexy because you're fat. Like just be that's, funny instead. That's an interesting perspective because the way that I saw that was he is a he's a stupidly confident man. He, yeah. He's like, he's very in tune with his body, but like he did not feel comfortable acting in that manner specifically. Sure. So the way that I saw it was like, well, if you don't feel comfortable doing that and like make it funny, cause like what the fuck else are you going to do? Like there's going to be a naked woman on that. Sure. You're gonna have I, to think, do I think my issue with it is that they had a scene stating that at yeah, all. I know they could have just gone have. right into them <laughs> shooting the scene and him choosing to make it funny <laughs> Yeah. and not having it be this conflict within himself where he goes like, well, I can't be sexy cause I'm fat. Yeah. And I'm like, exactly. well, that was dumb. You should have just not said that because, <laughs> uh lady reed is very sexy in the film yeah and she's just sexy all around in yeah. like the in the bigger film in don't his yeah. movie within <laughs> like the you know because this is a within movie that's in like the film and the film, film, the film within the film yeah uh and she she's fantastic in this film mm-hmm. yeah she's and, really really good you know the scene where she's singing with uh rudy and yes performing as dolomite <laughs> and they're like and, we and they have their like duo. together <laughs> it's fucking funny like they're so good they're so funny uh and she you know she has so much sass and mm-hmm. s- but in a way that's really biting and smart yeah 
uh i love all her lines her lines are fantastic um all yeah. the dialogue she was given is i think her character is the one that um makes it clear that like dolomite made or like rudy ray Moore, his film made like misfits feel like they had a place absolutely and I think that's a really important part of the movie. And I think her character was like the vehicle through which that theme came through the most. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I love at the end of the movie when she's like, I'm so grateful to you. Cause like, I've never seen you know someone who looks like me Be on there, screen yeah. and um, you know, she's right. And I, I think that that was really liberating for her. And I think from the very beginning, she was never meant to feel small or unworthy Mm -mm. or ugly or anything because like from the very beginning like rudy saw her like point blank and that was what propelled her to becoming more confident and saw her at a bar yeah he just saw her period and Mm -hmm. i think that you know her biggest issue like walking around in the world is like she's not seen or she's not seen in the way she wants to be seen Mm -hmm. so i you know I'm a, I'm a fan. Yeah, there are a lot of deep layers to this movie. I think when people first saw the trailer, they were like, oh, it's just Eddie Murphy, oh, like, fuck. being crazy. And, like, he hasn't done a movie in a few years. So, like, whatever. But there's, like, a lot of depth to the film and a lot of depth to the character. Like, yeah. I think it's easy to watch this movie once and just be like, oh, he's just, like, some funny guy who's making some, like, crazy movie. But there's that really incredible scene where he's in the Dunbar hotel and he it's like the night before they start filming Mm -hmm. and he's looking at that picture of his I'm assuming it's his father yeah Yeah, they Mm -hmm. never say it explicitly but I'm assuming it's his dad it's his dad with like a bunch of other farmers yeah and he's like cursing at the photo because I'm assuming you know absent father whatever and then from that he goes right into saying his lines as Dolomite and repeating Mm -hmm. them over and over repeating the whole like Dolomite is my name and (laughs) fucking fucking up motherfuckers motherfuckers is my my game (laughs) and he says it over and over and over again into the mirror and you see like the anger and you see the sadness but then you also see a transition into like power and his Mm -hmm. talent and that like one moment he's repeating the same line over Mm -hmm. and over again he's not really deviating that much but i was like his acting is in incredible yeah Absolutely. He was fucking robbed of a nomination for oh this movie. Oh my god, so robbed. I mean, not again. We we always say it. Not that it matters, but it kind of does. It, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I was literally just about to talk about that moment. Like yeah. that's that's why I'm so happy that that moment like translated so well mm-hmm. to so many different people because you know he found himself in this hotel that like has no fucking running water has no electricity like yeah is with a bunch of ragtag like n- people who have never made a film before and then a bunch of um, white except kids. for wesley snipes <laughs> who plays derville martin who excuse me was directed by roman polanski roman, himself he's in rosemary's so baby fucking good in this film his fucking cocaine pinky finger uh, like, is everything this movie is eddie murphy's movie but yeah. it's also wesley snipes movie. oh my fucking he, god he, like i'm not super familiar with his work i've seen him in a few things but i was like he's incredible so fucking good. so good in this movie uh he re- he plays this like really like He's like, I'm an actor, man. I'm an actor, man. And like, this is my process. And like, you didn't work with Roman Polanski. I did. Like, it was me. And like, he, you know, what's so funny is like, uh, Rudy asks him to star in his film. Mm -hmm. And he's like, fuck no. Like, get the fuck away. I'm legit. I have an agent. Talk to him. And he's like, will you direct? And his face just goes like, oh. 
sure. Like, of course. Like, <laughs> me, direct, making my directorial debut. debut? Uh, but then uh, the whole time, he's just, like, sitting on the side directing drinking. scenes. Drinking. And re- remember when they have the kung fu scene where he where Dolomite has to throw it's that guy so in the trunk? Bad. And he looks at, like, the ca- the cinematographer, and he's like, is there any way we can shoot this where it looks like he's actually fighting? And he's, and he's like, like, there no. is no such angle. <laughs> there is no such angle, sir. <laughs> It's so good. Oh my God. Uh, yeah, all the white kids working on this movie are all like UCLA. They're, yeah, film they're supposed to be UCLA nerds. film kids. It's so funny. Uh, and one of the things about this film that I love is it does not take itself too seriously. So, like, Mm-mm. when the film kids steal the electricity from like the next hotel over yeah and the whole t- the entire hotel like lights up and it's beautiful they fucking la vie en rose is yeah, la vie en Ro- i was just about to talk and about like, that and it's like these like the neon lights you see like a montage of all the lights in the hotel start coming on and everyone starts to be illuminated and it's like a really funny self-aware moment but it's also like kind of sweet yeah because that's where like that's how it starts. That's yeah. how the movie gets to be made, you know? Um, it's just, it's too, too good. It's like just one of, I'm like, this movie knows what it is and it still did that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, this movie really just had me at the end going like, fuck the critics, man. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, people liked it, though. No, and that's the thing. It's like, who do you care about liking your film more? You know, a fucking critic or like the 10 homies down the block? Well, and that's the thing. I don't think Eddie Murphy has ever cared. Otherwise, he wouldn't have done fucking Daddy Daycare. (laughs) You know, I love Daddy Daycare. I also love Daddy Daycare, but (laughs) not the point. You know, like he had a really long string of films um, in the early 2000s that like were garbage. And then he came back with people considered dream girls to be like his comeback because he got an oscar nomination and just so the listeners know we thought about doing dream girls but he's truly in like 10 minutes total and of the he movie is the best part of that he's film. the only part of that movie you should care about other than like jennifer hudson singing her song and also anika noni rose oh yeah anika noni rose so is also really good. good in it i'm not saying beyonce's not good but she's just like nothing she's special like in beyonce. This movie. she's like yeah. you know if you want to watch a movie where beyonce essentially like plays beyonce yeah go ahead and watch, watch this it. movie but know. Uh, Eddie Murphy is the most impressive part of that entire film, but and there just like wasn't sing. there wasn't enough to talk mm. about other than the fact that he's the best part of the movie and that he can sing, and uh, he has an incredible voice, an incredible voice, absolutely incredible. Uh, but yeah, this movie was fucking phenomenal. It mm-hmm. was my first time watching it. It was Jessica's what like second, third time watching second, it, second yeah. time watching it. Uh, it's amazing. It's fantastic, and it's available on Netflix if you want to go watch it mm-hmm. full free, aka the like fourteen ninety nine you pay month. Yeah, <laughs> so. and at the end of the movie, they do like side by sides of shots of like the the original yeah. Dolomite the OG movie. Dolomite. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of fun to see. It's fucking funny, especially yeah. the scene where he's like doing the terrible kung fu and he's wearing that like checkered hat, the like black and white checkered hat. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, it really he's, did like, look that terrible. Barely <laughs> touching anybody. It's so fun. Or the scene where he's having sex uh, with the girl and the ceiling falls and the down. Ceiling falls. It just looks. <laughs> it's too funny. It's um, so good. But yeah. That was Dolomite. And that Dolomite. is Eddie Murphy. Yeah. We love Eddie Murphy. It was hard choosing movies. It really was. Because while so he many. has been in some quote unquote bad movies, I really like a lot of them. I agree. Like Back to Daddy Daycare. That's a fucking fun That's movie, you guys. film. Oh, like I had to look it up because I was like, I wonder if the critics did actually dislike this movie. And they did. No, they did. People <laughs> no, hated they did. Daddy Daycare. They did. They did. But 
like Jeff Garland mm-hmm. is in daddy daycare. Mm-hmm. Steve Zahn is in daddy daycare. All like, the daddies. All the daddies. It's fucking hilarious. It's like, good. You know, so I think there's value in a lot of the quote unquote trash that he's done. I agree. Yeah. Like quote unquote trash. The Haunted Mansion. <laughs> also, not trash. People loved it. But Shrek, uh, really impressive voice work with Shrek. I know. I, I just want to have a moment of silence for Shrek as the internet killed it. Uh, yeah i did propose doing shrek to monica but monica was like i literally can't the internet has fucked shrek up really fucked shrek up for me yeah i'm so sorry go familiarize yourself with some eddie murphy material yeah especially older material it really like doesn't align with i think a lot of what we know about eddie murphy now Um, but it's good and it's still it's good it's fun to see like what he started as and watch his comedy specials listen to his music like he's a he's a multifaceted creative Mm -hmm. and i appreciate that about him yeah do it do the do do it all right monica that brings us to our segment what have you dabbled in jessica i've literally been doing nothing it's Uh. like absolutely shameful i mean i'm working now so that is like what i've been doing and that is very time consuming and stressful is it going well it is going well but you know like having full control over an instagram account with like over sixty thousand followers on my personal device that's really nerve-wracking it's man. very nerve-wracking especially because i only work three days a week and so on my days off i still get the notifications and i'm just like i feel like i have to respond i feel like i am responsible for this yeah uh, <laughs> i work for a non-profit theater and this is very different vibes yeah <laughs> i work for a, a, a high fashion company so you know yeah so we're like uh, burton ernie in a way <laughs> <laughs> I but won't yeah. say who's Burton, who's Ernie. Like, it's fun. It is rewarding. It's nice to do something um, involved, like, to work for a company that is actively involved in the community that I am a part of. So, you know. Blessings. Yeah. That's all I really have. I mean, I... What have you dabbled in? I mean, I just got a fucking Peloton rolled into my office. Yeah, you also so. pinched a nerve. Yeah, that was bad. So, like, <laughs> today is Sunday, everyone. I just want to let everyone know, like, what day we're, we typically record which is a saturday uh the day before saturday which is friday (laughs) (laughs) i uh did i like you know throughout the day this happened at whole foods but like my entire like left side of my body went numb Uh, it was interesting to say the least but i'm fine now did you just like fall over because i imagine half your body going numb and then you just like tipping over so when half your body goes numb you would think that i would tip over but i didn't so so you could still move you just couldn't feel it i just couldn't feel it oh weird you know how you can still when you go to the dentist and they numb your lips you can still move them you just cannot feel them at all you all you also have have like a really skewed idea of like how much you're moving them to yeah yeah was that exactly. what was happening with that's your body what was happening with my body because like my <laughs> hand would just lie there like uh-huh. like a dead fish I, yeah. I think i sent you a picture yeah you did it looked like a wax figure like it was not i could not feel it um and so therefore i could not lay it down on the bed the way it was supposed to be um and i think you know i think i think you're thinking of like paralyzed i mean i am but still <laughs> yes i can move my limbs uh now it's just pins and needles but i should be fine you know everyone shoots shoot some prayers up to the good heap up there for me yeah yeah monica's on some med so she's gonna be okay lord um but yeah all right you know what let's get into the question someone someone actually asked us a question today which is really nice Uh, oh it's a very chill question 
What would John Favreau do is the name of our segment. We will give you questionable advice on what we think John Favreau would do for you. Today's question, what is your favorite thing to sip on during feature presentations? That's so specific. (laughs) Uh, During feature presentations. Only during movies? Yeah. Um, I like to sip on kombucha. I really enjoy like better booch. I'm mm-hmm. not like a big like alcohol drinker when I'm watching films. I don't, I'm not really sure why. Me neither. But um, I like a good, I like a good better booch. The citrus sunrise flavor in spe- okay. specifically, yeah. I like LaCroix a lot. If I'm by myself, <laughs> we're, we're drinking LaCroix now. Sponsor us. <laughs> um, but I've been drinking the Limoncello LaCroix lately. So that's what I guess I, what I'm drinking when I'm watching movies at home. But if I'm watching movies, like, okay, if I go to a movie theater. Oh, yeah. Tell me. That is my... I, I get a free pass to get a cherry Coke when I go to the remember movie theater. Remember that? Do you remember going to like a movie theater? <laughs> I don't, actually. What an experience. Zero memories. <laughs> <laughs> My memory was wiped after the war. <laughs> I don't really drink soda, but if I go to the movies, I want something like sweet and bubbly. So I always get a cherry Coke and that's my go-to. Yeah. Um, when I go to the movies, I don't drink like a sugary drink mm-hmm. because I'll have a fuckload of sour candy <laughs> so what i do is i bring my hydro flask into the movie theater oh. fill it to the brim with like ice and a fuck ton of water mm. and just take like my seven bags of like sour patch kids and like airheads that's and so good bullshit sour punch straws whatever whatever and like you know walk waddle See, into I'm the a, theater i'm a cherry coke and buttered popcorn kind of gal for the movies yeah i'm not like a you know what's so funny i hate myself so much i don't like butter popcorn if it doesn't have like some sort of like acid to it like uh, we've talked about this before yeah i'm just like an i'm an acid annie like (laughs) that's just who i am what a name uh (laughs) i really enjoy like a good like you know pinch of lemon you know lime juice in my popcorn maybe some lemon pepper uh you know some tahini i don't fucking know man i just like buttered popcorn that's just me I think it's funny, like, caring about what everyone's movie routines are, because I find that everyone has, like, the thing that they like the most at the movies. Yeah, like, my husband, he really, like, he goes to the movies, and, like, this motherfucker wants an icy, like, rain or shine. That's so funny. That's how my mom is when she goes to the movies. Never any other time but when Never. she goes to the like, movie literally. she needs an icy like, well i'll be like oh do you like you know it's a hot day yeah. it's a hot ass day and i'm like oh let's go get like a slurpee at 7-eleven or like a, a smoothie he's like no i only get like icy stuff like when i go to the movie theater mm-hmm. like what the fuck is that what flavor does he get uh only coke okay never anything else my mom's a cherry so gal oh that's nice she yeah. likes cherry yeah. i don't like ices very much but he does i think so. they're fine i like the coke ones better but the rest are too sweet frozen coke that's like all it is yeah i know but that's like kind of fun <laughs> when you were a kid didn't you like used to do the thing where you would just like put different beverages in cups and freeze it and just to like see what it would taste like frozen i was poor okay but like <laughs> <laughs> I was really poor. <laughs> we actually, we would go to the Pacific theaters. I grew up in the San Fernando, San Fernando Valley, for those of you who give a shit. Uh, and uh, I grew up in Canoga Park, which is one of the like poorest areas of there. Because if you guys didn't know, I'm po- I was poor. I'm not poor now. I'm slightly poor. It's fine. <laughs> but you just got a Peloton, but don't I forget. Just- <laughs> 
I'm LA poor. <laughs> That's what I am. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, we used to go to the Pacific theaters, which they were in on Winnetka. Um, yeah. I used to go to that one sometimes too. Uh, so good. But anyway, we would sneak into the movie theater, oh, like hell the yeah. back way, because we couldn't afford like movie tickets. I mean, would... even the rich kids at private school did oh, that. Oh, fuck yeah. Don't it was just it. fun. It yeah. was fun. Uh, it was but also we did so it. easy. <laughs> like I remember I went to go see like the SpongeBob movie. Mm-hmm. Like we like just fucking went for it and like yeah. went in. Uh, it was It's just such an easy movie. <laughs> this is so bad. Don't do this. But it's just such an easy movie theater to like go in and you know, steal the, that, that would be the Pacific theaters on Moneca <laughs> in uh, the San Fernando Valley. Everyone, in uh, case you're wondering, <laughs> if you were a cop, I didn't do anything. We did nothing. Um, but anyway, you know, we'd go and we'd bring our own snacks. I'd bring like cut mm-hmm. mango with like lime and tahini and like, just sit there. Sure. Cause like it was, it was the only movie theater in the Valley that like did not take reserved seating. Yeah. You could just sit anywhere. Yeah. Cause reserved seating was getting really big at the time. Guys. Yeah. The AMC 16, um, on, on Topanga also mm-hmm. didn't reserve for but a they long were time. Strict as fuck. Yeah, had, like, it was it was detectors. hard to get into that movie yeah. theater. Um, and also like the AMC in Fallbrook was also oh, yeah. really hard. The one to get that replaced to. the Lemley. Yeah, yeah. This is an LA podcasting game. <laughs> <laughs> Monica and I are from LA, yeah. from the Val. And now I go to the ArcLight in Hollywood or the AMC in Burbank. Never um, the ArcLight Pasadena <laughs> in the city that you live in. <laughs> They don't have good snacks. Oh, shit. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, anyway, where do you go? I go to the Arclight Hollywood, the Vista. Mm-hmm. I've been to the Los Feliz 3 a f- couple of times. Is it nice? Um, I mean, it's like fine. It, it's it's cool if you appreciate like a smaller theater, mm-hmm. like a three, sc- sc- three, a three screen theater. Um, <laughs> I've been to the Arclight Pasadena a few times <laughs> i just smacked the microphone and then because i used to work at the americana i would like try and see oh, all the new movies yeah. so sometimes the only movie time i would be able to get would be like 20 minutes after my shift ended Shit. so i would just walk over to the um i think it is a pacific theater the pacific um, glendale i think it is is that what it is i always I think thought it's it a was pacific. A, a regency theater no, or is that the one in calabasas I think that's the Calabasas one. Mm. We live in Los Angeles. And the one at LA Live, I think, is Regency. I, I think. Oh, it's Regal. 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 That's okay, what it so is. it was it was the one in between Regency and Pacific is Regal. <laughs> yeah. That's that's but, uh, but it's a Pacific theater at the Glenda at the Americana. So like I would just walk over right after my shift and go see a movie. I know. I miss going to go see those man. I miss it too. Like I don't miss working retail, but I do miss being like, oh, I'm not doing anything tonight. And, um, you know, like fucking, I think I saw like mid nineties there. It's like mid nineties is playing. Let's go see fuck it. Mid nineties. I love that movie. Shut the fuck up. Beanie Feldstein is the superior Feldstein. Oh my God. <laughs> we are not getting into this conversation today. Fuck Jonah Hill. Just kidding. He's so fucking good. Especially in the Wolf of Wall Street. <laughs> Jonah, don't at me. I'm sorry. I think we should end this. We need to end yeah, I this. I think we need to end now. All right, guys. Um, uh subscribe rate please please email us you have something to say yeah tell us your uh if you've met a daddy tell us you know if you have a question about movies or not about movies send them in yeah if you're just like jessica i just matched with this guy on bumble and i don't know what to say to him uh, ask us that ask i don't jessica, care because I don't, I don't know what the fuck I regardless say. you can ask us anything anyways we're like your bffs but like we don't know you but not <laughs> <laughs> all anyway. right as and always. As always. Don't, don't sue, sue us, Daddy, Daddy Favreau. Favreau. Thanks, John. Thanks, John. <laughs> 
Love you. All right. Love you. Bye, Monica. Bye. Bye.